0: How was your Thanksgiving? How was your Thanksgiving? Did you have a good one? You know, some are good, some are bad. I I remember one year, uh, my cousin uh, literally had pictures of the turkey that he was going to have slaughtered and then smoked. Man, Dane, I was pumped. And it came and it was raw. And Everything else was bad that Thanksgiving. I mean, we literally went home and had Chinese just so we could have some food. It was, but this Thanksgiving, it was a good one. Here, here's Gwen. Here's Gwen. We had Thanksgiving with Paula Dean. Oh, Gwen. Gwen was so... Look at, look at Gwen's face. Gwen's, uh, we sent that to Amber, and Amber said, Mom looks really excited. I'm like, she was. She was. So Paula had that whole thing. That was so good. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? This was our empty nest vacation. So, it, which was wonderful, by the way. It was wonderful. We missed our daughter, but we just had a good we had a good time, didn't we, Gwen? It was very different. We hadn't been to Branson for, oh, like two decades. And we went there a lot when Amber was young. And it was such a shock initially. Everything was so different. We almost turned around and came home because it was like, oh, what? This is weird. This isn't what. But we stuck it out, didn't we, Gwen? And we had a great time. And and Paula Dean was very good to us. And so we had, in fact, it was so good. Gwen says, I want to go back again before we go home. And so we ate with Paula twice. And it was a good time. So I hope your Thanksgiving was good. But here's what this series is about. This series is about moving us from Thanksgiving as a holiday, which is now gone, to thanks living as a holy habit. And I hope uh, that the Lord is working in your heart like he's been working in mine. I mean, this has encouraged me, convicted me, challenged me to be a more thankful person. But how can I be more thankful? So that's what we want to look at this morning. How can I be more thankful and not just at a holiday and not just when Paula Dean presents you a great meal that Gwen didn't have to cook and Gwen didn't have to clean up? That That was Thanksgiving too, wasn't it, Gwen? Although she just cooked a whole turkey for our grow group tonight for our Thanksgiving grow group dinner. And so she's working hard. Here's how you do it, okay? Here's how you do it. You basically apply the previous lessons in this series. Lesson one, how thankful are we? And I gave you a thanks living assessment. It's still on the table. You can use that if you haven't done. And lesson two was why are you thankful? And I gave you some thanks living reflections at the end of that for application. But here's, here's how you can be more thankful in applying those lessons. Number one. Remember to be thankful for common grace gifts, but even more for the saving grace giver. Okay? So be thankful for the common grace gifts we talked about. Look around. And we were thankful for the things that happened on our vacation. And, and we, we rejoiced in those things. And you know what? God wants you to do that. But trace those things back to the giver. Amen? And give thanks to the saving grace giver and the gifts that only He can give. And here's, here's the reality proud people don't say thank you. Proud people don't say thank you. And so we give God, we give thanks for saving grace because we need it. Without it, we look at creation. And we worship the things of creation rather than realizing, looking at creation and thinking about the Creator and giving thanks to Him. But that's the tension, isn't it? There's a tension between the gifts and the giver. And so that's principle number two that we learned in the second lesson. Resolve the tension between our changing circumstances and our unchanging God. We studied in lesson two, don't be too thankful for the things you can see. Instead, be more thankful for the unseen giver. Give thanks, be more thankful for the unseen rather than the seen, the eternal rather than the temporary, the giver rather than the gift. So the principle is this, take time to count your blessings, do that. Count your blessings, and they can be physical, they can be material, they can be relational. There's all sorts of things to give thanks for. Take time to do that, but don't be so thankful for those things that you forget about the giver. Look at this verse Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Whoa. Whom have I in heaven? but you. And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Really, if you wanted a verse to summarize this whole series about being more thankful, I think that is it. Paul Tripp says this about this verse. These are the words of a man who has learned the secret to contentment. When you are satisfied with the giver, because you have found in him the life you are looking for, you are freed from the ravenous quest for satisfaction that is the discouraging existence of so many people. It's really true. Augustine said this, the early church father, your heart will never find rest until it finds its rest in God. Here's one of the most beautiful fruits of grace, Tripp says, a heart that is content, more given to worship than demand, more given to the joy of gratitude than the anxiety of want. It is grace and grace alone that can make this kind of peaceful living possible for each of us. And that's the question. How do we get that grace? So here's the third principle. Those two principles are built off of the previous two lessons. Here's the third principle that we're going to look at this morning. You want to be more thankful? Realign your living with Christ's Lordship. Realign how you live with what is true about the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And here's the verse. So, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, we're going to look at two verses in Colossians 1. Colossians, uh, I'm sorry, Colossians 2, 6 through 7. Colossians 2, 6 through 7. Some of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. There is so much packed in that. And these are the two verses we're going to look at today. Realign your living with Christ's Lordship. Listen and read and follow along as I read. Colossians 2, 6. Therefore... As you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in Him. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in Him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed, and, there's the climax, overflowing with what? With what? Thankfulness. Thankfulness. Any of you have gratitude in your Bible? Some of them overflowing with gratitude, overflowing with thankfulness. The ESV has abounding in thanksgiving. Let your living, here's how the message paraphrases, let your living spill over into thanksgiving. That last phrase, look at that last phrase in your Bibles. It's in the present tense and it's the climax. It is saying this, continually overflow with thankfulness. Now, one of the traditional symbols of Thanksgiving is what? The cornucopia. And here it is. And one Thanksgiving, we were down at the Keter Center in Branson, and they had this. They had this ice sculpture cornucopia overflowing with boiled shrimp for which I was thankful, right Jeff? I mean that was just good. It was it was just it was just amazing. It was it was just overflowing and that's what this phrase means, okay? That's what it means. It's a picture in your mind of we are the cornucopia And out of us is to be this overflowing abundance of thankfulness just coming out of us, flowing out of us. I mean, when you walk to a place and see shrimp flowing out like that, you get excited. Well, people ought to see us coming and get excited because I know out of this person is going to be an overflowing abundance of thankfulness, both for common grace and saving grace gifts. Now, you might be thinking, that's impossible no one can be overflowing with thanksgiving 24/7 and hey i find it easy and maybe you do too i can go through life according to my plans in my power and kind of throw god in as a leftover like a thanksgiving leftover oh yeah we have that okay god let's let's bring him into the into the into the situation but listen here's what 1st Thessalonians 5:18 says be thankful In all circumstances. For this is God's will for those who belong to Christ Jesus. That's a powerful verse. But realize this it doesn't say be thankful for all circumstances, it says be thankful in those circumstances. Why? Because we belong to Christ Jesus. So here's the point. What Colossians 2, 6 through 7 is telling us is this. You'll never be overflowing a cornucopia of thankfulness until Christ is at the center of your life. The Lordship of Christ at the center of your life. And that's the message of the book of Colossians. And that's the message of these two verses. Satisfaction is guaranteed in life when Christ is the center of your life. And satisfied people are thankful people. All right? And so you say, how does this work? Well, Colossians 2 6 through 7 gives us Paul's not a holiday, but a holy day recipe. For overflowing with Thanksgiving and the secret recipe. I mean, we were there at Paula Deans and each of those things were so good. And so what is my wife doing? She's trying to figure out what is in this. What's the recipe for this? What's the seasoning here? How can I make this? Well, what is the recipe? What is the secret recipe? The secret recipe is realign your living. And so if you look at these two verses, and we're going to see this. There's this just as, so continue pattern throughout these two verses. Just as this is true, so continue. Realign your living with his lordship. Let's look at the ingredients in the recipe. The first thing is this. Embrace surrendered living. If you want to be a more thankful person, embrace surrendered living. Living, And that's what we find in verse 6. Notice what it says. Really simple. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Just as, so continue to walk. And I've kind of given you the principle uh, there in your notes. Just as you receive Jesus Christ as the Lord, so continue to live under his lordship. On a daily basis, you will be a more thankful person. So here's the first question. Have you received Jesus Christ as the Lord? Have you received Jesus Christ? Paul is making here this very unique, emphatic claim. I mean, we see Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. But the way he words this is very specific He's saying Jesus is the Christ, the chosen one, the promised one, the the promise of Christmas. He's the Christ who has been promised seed from Adam and Eve, to Noah, to Abraham, Isaac, to Jacob, to Boaz and Ruth, to David and Bathsheba, and finally to Mary and Joseph. He's the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. But. He's also saying Jesus, just the very name, means he's the Savior of the world. Again, this is Christmas stuff. Matthew 1, She shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, which means what? Yahweh saves. For he will save his people from their sins. So, here is Jesus, carpenter from Nazareth. He is the Christ And he is the savior of the world. But then he says this. This Jesus, who is the Christ, is the Lord. And that's the focus in verse 6. He is the Lord. It's very definite. It's very emphatic. He is the ruler over everyone and everything. So here's what he's, he's emphasizing. When you got saved... You received not a Jesus, but the Jesus who is the promised one and who is now Lord over everything. Now, ask yourself, how much did you know about Jesus when you first got saved? It probably could fit in a thimble. And sometimes we weren't presented a full understanding of who Jesus was, right? But we placed our faith in him, and we're saved. But we grow in that understanding. But even us, as we share the gospel, we need to be very clear about who Jesus is. He's Lord. That's not something you add on after you get saved. Jesus is the promised Christ in the Bible, but he is the Lord due to his resurrection. He is the Lord over everything, and he invites you. To receive Him as your Savior and Lord. Look there in Colossians chapter 1. Just look back one chapter. Look at chapter 1, 15 through 20. 15 through 20. This is who Jesus is. He's not just a little baby in a manger, He's not just my sugar daddy in the sky. He's not just a divine gift giver. Look at who he is. Colossians chapter 1, look at verses 15 through 20. He is the image, the very image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn, that means the ruler over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. He's the Lord over everything. There's nothing you can imagine. There's nothing you can find out in outer space that Jesus didn't create and he's already Lord of, okay? and he is before all things and in him all things consist and he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead he rules over the dead because he rose from the dead and in and, and that in all things he may have the preeminence because he's the ruler the lord for it pleased the father that in him All the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth, things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Now come back to Colossians chapter 2 and look at verses 9 and 10. Right after our verses, 6, 7, and even 8, look at 9 and 10. Paul comes back to this idea, Jesus is Lord. Look at verse 9, chapter 2, verse 9. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's probably the best definition of the incarnation. Here's a human being in whom the fullness and complete divine nature also dwells. Truly God, truly man, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality, all power. There's There's no one. That is bigger, greater, stronger, smarter, more wonderful than the Lord who is Jesus Christ. So here's the idea. And I have this in your notes. Salvation is a free gift from the person who is both Savior and Lord. Listen, you can't be a Savior if you're not the Lord of everything. How can I deliver you? from something if I'm not the Lord of it, okay? So sometimes we kind of think of Jesus in two categories. First, he's my Savior, then he's my Lord. No, the person that you invite people to receive for salvation, we should be inviting people to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord because that's who he is. If he's not Lord, he can't be Savior, He's gotta be Lord of everything. And we can't receive Jesus as mere Savior and then opt in on his lordship after salvation. But that now in in, in practicality it kind of works out that way, right? We accept Christ and then one day it kind of dawns on us sooner or later, oh, wait a minute. He rules over my life, right? And then we surrender. But that's the way it ought to always be. We should be continually surrendering our, everything in our lives to Him. But we don't know everything about our life. I don't even know everything that's in my heart. One day I can wake up and there's stuff in my heart. I didn't know that was in there. That's bad. What do I do with it? Surrender it to His Lordship. One day I encounter an area where God maybe takes something out of my life and I go, I want that back. Oh, wait a minute. He's Lord. i got to surrender that to Him. But we don't make Him Lord. He already is Lord. You have received Jesus Christ the Lord. Uh, The very first Christian sermon ever preached After the resurrection was by the Apostle Peter. And here was his big idea and his final point. Acts 2.36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. This human that you see as a human being and you thought was heretical and insignificant. Whom you crucified... God has made him both Lord and Christ. Paul picks this up, Romans 6:23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay? And here's Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, that is to be risen above and seen as Lord, then you are saved. So here's the point, and it's in your notes. Your salvation is secure and sure by who Jesus is and what He has done and what He is doing and what He has yet to do. Jesus is is Lord over the past, the present, and the future. Now, is that not a reason to give thanks all the time? There's nothing that can happen for which you can't give thanks because you know whatever is happening, Jesus is Lord. Therefore, the rest of your life, the rest of your life should overflow with one big thank you. Have you received him? If so, the rest of our lives should be one big thank you. Really, you can can summarize coming to Christ in three words. Please and thank you. Please forgive me of my sins. Please give me your righteousness. And then Christ, God, on the basis of what Christ has done, what Christ is doing, what Christ has yet to do. On, on that basis, he answers that, please forgive me and please give me. And when he does, what do we say? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we don't stop saying it. The rest of your life is one big thank you. So every morning, let me challenge you. This is so practical. This is big-time theology that's big-time practical. Every morning, before you get out of bed, turn your heart toward the Father and His Son and by His Spirit say, Thank you. Thank you. All that I do today is one big thank you for giving me yourself as my Savior and my Lord. What's the first thing you do when you get up? What's the first thing you think? You think about what you got to do? You think about what you don't have? You think about what's hurting? You think about what's, what's, what, what, what's going to happen on your schedule? What, what's the first thought in your mind? What's the first thing you do? Do you grab your phone? Before you do anything else, think, thank you. I have received you as my Savior, but you are my Lord. And so everything I do today is one big thank you for giving me yourself for my salvation. Have you received him? Well, here's what Paul says to do. If so, continue to live under his lordship on a daily basis. Notice what it says. The key word in verse 6, the key words are just as or as. As you have received him, so continue to walk in him as one big thank you. It's amazing. So here's the idea. Those who have truly received Jesus as sovereign Savior will continue to walk in Him as sovereign Savior. There, this isn't an opt-in or opt-out circumstances. Basically, it's just like uh, James says. Faith without works is dead. It, it's a dead faith. Saving faith alone Faith alone saves, but saving faith is never alone. If you have received Jesus as your sovereign Savior, so continue to walk in him. Now, some of your translations may say uh, live in him, and that's what walking means. To walk, to live, you walk. You have to be mobile. You have to move. And whether you have crutches or a wheelchair, you're still moving through life. But I like the translation walk because it really reflects what we do in life. We, we walk through life. If, have you ever had someone say, walk me through your day? Walk me through your day. And what do you do? Well, I got up and you just go through your day. Well, what he's saying is, as you walk through your day, do it under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, you might say, that sounds burdensome. I mean, lordship is not a happy word in our culture, right? Uh, Submission to a sovereign savior doesn't sound like a a good thing in our culture. And let me tell you, it, it doesn't sound good to your flesh. Your flesh hates the concept of lordship. Our culture hates that concept. But let me give you some encouragement. We've got to see this from God's perspective, not our own worldly or selfish perspective. Walking every day in his lordship is a blessing beyond words. You know why? Every hard decision you make, you get to surrender it to the lordship of his wisdom, not yours. Every difficult temptation you encounter, you get to surrender it to his power, not yours. Every heartbreak you experience, you get to surrender to the lordship of his love that can heal the brokenhearted. Every dark valley you go through, you get to surrender it to the lordship of his comfort who is the God of all comfort. Every act of obedience that seems impossible, you get to surrender to the lordship of his grace that enables you to do whatever will please him. See, lordship is a blessing, not a burden. Can I get a a nod and an amen there? There's nothing you go through on a daily basis that he's not already lord of. So why not walk with him through it? And you know what? You'll begin to overflow with thanksgiving 24-7. And you know why? Because Jesus is lord. What's that mean? He's large and in charge over everything in your life. But he's also near to hear and to care. He's that much of a Lord. He's not far away and distant like the God of Islam. Looking down, judging, wondering if you're measuring up. No, he's a heavenly Father who is near to hear. This is a beautiful thing. Keep walking in his Lordship. For some of you, maybe the pain of 2022 has been difficult. Maybe 2022 is difficult, and you're glad that it's almost over. Others of you may have fear regarding 2023. And the fears in this room, the anxieties in this room are different and unique, and yet they're all the same. Jesus is the Lord over all of it. And He will walk you with you through it. But you need to walk... With him just as you received him. Realign your living with his lordship. Now, there's another ingredient. So that's the first ingredient. Embrace surrendered living. But there's another ingredient to this holy day recipe for overflowing with thankfulness. Experience spiritual growth. Experience spiritual growth. That's what we see in verse 7. Paul doesn't stop. This is all connected. It's all connected. And here's what he says in verse 7. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him. Having been. There's that past idea. You have been rooted in him. Now continue. Notice what it says. The basic principle. I have it written in your notes. Just as you have been rooted in Christ's lordship continue to be built up in this. So like I already said, listen, I didn't understand all this at 17 years old, but I've grown in it. I was rooted in it, and God did the rooting, and for the last, I don't even know how many years, you'll have to add that up, I've been built up in it. I've been growing, experienced spiritual growth In his lordship. So here's the question Has God firmly rooted you in Christ Jesus the Lord? Has God firmly rooted you? And here's the cool answer The answer is if you've received him, then you're rooted in him, and that's good news. See, some people present, some theologies and some denominations and some religions present salvation as something that you can lose you receive it and now you got to hold on to it or you'll lose it and here's the good news if you received him he has rooted you in his lordship now why are there why does a plant have roots just shout out tell me why does a plant have roots do what to grow, to grow. what does it provide food water, well, food, water it's a source Right of, of sustenance, it's a source of sustenance. What else do roots do for plants? Anchor. It anchors them. Stability. That's the idea here. The lordship of Jesus Christ is the source of our life, and it is the stability in life storms. When you're rooted in Him. You're rooted in Him to draw your life from Him. And in drawing your life from Him, you are stable in Him that when the storms come, nothing can root you out of your source and your stability, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because nothing that happens down here can reach Him who is over all. That's good news. That's good news. And why should this cause us to overflow with Thanksgiving? Why should being rooted? Because look at how it's said it's in a passive voice, who this is done to this, to me I don't root myself. God is the rooter. And it is a perfect. Tense, which means he rooted us in the past and we remain rooted even after it happened. So what? this is the beauty of our salvation. When you got saved, you not only were forgiven, you received a Lord and you were rooted in him and God rooted you in him and you will remain in him on into and nothing can uproot you. Because when God does something, he really does it. And when God roots you, no one is able to unroot you. Why should we be a cornucopia overflowing? Because we've been securely rooted by God into Jesus Christ, who is a cornucopia of divine nature. Look again at verses 9 and 10. This is the one that you have been rooted in. Look at 9 and 10. For in Him, the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Jesus is a cornucopia of divine nature because He's God. And guess what? You're rooted in that. You get to draw from that. And in Him, you have been made complete, and He is the head over all rule and authority. Now, does that just not say, thank you? Thank you, thank you. I get right back from thanks this is why you don't focus on earthly things. Great time, but vacation comes to an end i don't I, you know the only bad thing about vacation is getting ready for it and then dealing with life when you get back right? So we get back and my we we rent out my dad's house, and they had sewer problems, so we had to redo the whole plumbing right. And so one of the benefits of this is I got to see a camera go through my dad's sewer line. That's a fascinating thing. You know, there's roots down there. My dad has no more trees in his backyard. And yet there's roots growing in that sewer line. Because apparently roots can grow for over seven years, even when the tree is grown down. You know why roots go to a sewer system? Because, well, to be bluntly... Sewer is rich fertilizer, and plants are drawn to it, and they're they're rooted in that, and they're drawing source from that. Well, here's the good news. We haven't been rooted in sewer waste. We have been rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ and the riches of His fullness as divine God. That is just amazing, and you're secure in it. And listen, bad economy cannot unroot you. Diagnosis of cancer cannot unroot you. There is nothing. Heartbreak, hospice, it doesn't matter. And all those things are things that we're facing as a church family. But you know what? None of that can unroot you. It is a beautiful thing to be rooted in His Lordship. But here's the second part of it. If so, Continue to be built up in his lordship. You're rooted, so be built up in his lordship. Notice what verse 7. I want you to see it in your Bible. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up. So here's this idea again. Realign your living with the reality of his lordship. You've been rooted, so keep on being built up. So here's the question. Roots don't exist for themselves, okay? They go down deep to bring up nutrients and to water the shoots that are above the ground and exist to bear fruit. In the same way, we've been rooted to draw our life from Him, one who is hidden in the heavens. We are to draw our life from Him, and then we show it by the way we live. This idea of being rooted is also can be used of a foundation. You ever driven by a place where they're building and someone's laid a foundation and they just never build on it? Have you ever driven by a construction site like that? I and mean, we have a couple of those in the Northland. And you just drive by and, 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 and you can't help but talk about it. Well, wonder what they're building. Wonder what happened. Did they get lazy? Did they run out of money? Did they die? Why isn't that foundation built on? But listen, listen. There's a lot of professing Christians that look just like that foundation. They claim Christ. They claim to have received Him. They claim to be rooted in Him. And yet there's nothing ever built on that foundation. And so you wonder, did you run out of resources? No. If you're in Christ, he's the fullness of deity. Did maybe, maybe you're dead. And you never really were born again. Or maybe you're just lazy and you haven't learned to realign your living with his lordship. Are you with me? So when people look at your life, do they see fruit from the roots of his lordship. When they look at your life. Do they see a foundation that's being built up? I mean I look back on my life in this time of years when I do that. And I just think man. My, my knowledge and understanding and my living was fell so far short. I, but I've grown. And I don't want to stop growing. How about you? And so we want to continue with that. So, here's the good news. God is the one that's doing the building. Notice, we don't build on the foundation. We do, but we cooperate with Him. The one who rooted you is the one who builds you up. That's good news. So, here's some questions. If if you have received Him, then you're rooted in Him and He is seeking And is building you up. But we have to cooperate. So if God is the one building us up. What are the tools he uses? And you see them right here. I mean just to keep it simple. His tools for building you up. Are the word of God. And the spirit of God. Those two can never be separated. And to be quite honest. None of these are separated. God uses his word his spirit, which I like to liken to prayer, okay, and the people of God. That's what God's using to grow you up. So here's the question. Evaluate. If I am to cooperate with God, how did I do in 2022? This is the time of year to evaluate. So take a look at those questions. I'm not going to have you discuss them at the table, but think about those. How consistent was my treasuring Christ in feeding on His Word this past year? Listen, He's building, but He does it through His Word, and you and I have a responsibility to be in it. How consistent was my participation in our congregational worship? Man, I am. COVID has just sifted and revealed a lack of commitment among many professing believers. And it is heartbreaking. And it is tempting. And just the whole entrenchment for over a year, that wasn't good for my heart. It wasn't good for my soul. And I, Gwen and I talk about, it, I, we got to push against this. We have got to push against this. How did I help build one another up in a grow group this past year? How did I help build up others by being active in ministry this past year? And what are my plans for growing spiritually and being built up in 2023? Here's the thing. God is doing all of this, but he uses means. And we have a cooperation. So if you go over to Coloss- look at Colossians uh, chapter one twenty three just to show you the balance between God's sovereign working and our responsibility. Notice, in verse 22, he says, you've been reconciled. Okay, you've been reconciled in Christ. But look at verse 23. It begins with that little word, if. If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which... Was proclaimed. So the idea is you're rooted, but you have a responsibility not to uproot yourself. You've been grounded, but you have a responsibility to build up on that and do it overflowing with thanksgiving because you know this God's at work and He's doing it through the Lordship of Christ. I can't fail at this. And even if I do fail, I ask forgiveness and he picks me up and he puts me back in the game. Can I get a hallelujah out of that? Yeah, yeah, man, that's good. So that brings us to the third ingredient. Establish strong convictions. Establish strong convictions. He kind of wraps up with this one. Notice the rest of verse 7. And established in your faith... Just as, there's that key word, just as you were instructed. So notice the principle in your notes. Just as you were taught gospel truth, so continue to be established in this gospel truth. So here's the first question. Have you been taught the gospel truth about Jesus Christ the Lord? And everybody here this morning, unless you were sleeping, can now say a resounding what? Yes, you know, now most of you have been taught much, much, much more. But all of us were taught this now. He's saying, okay, just as you were taught this, now be established in it, to be strengthened in it. So he shifts from lordship to learning. He shifts from deity to doctrine. He shifts from the Son of God to the Word of God. You know, some people say God only cares about our hearts. He only cares about our hearts. He doesn't care about our heads. Nothing could be further from the truth. Some say God only cares about the direction of the hearts, not the doctrine in our heads. Nay, nay. Some say he's only concerned about the intent of our heart and not the content of our minds. No, 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 no. Head, heart, hands. It's a total, because he's the Lord of all. He's not just the Lord of your heart. He's not just the Lord of your head. We have some Christians who have really big heads and really tiny hearts. We have other Christians who have really big hearts and tiny little heads that have no doctrine in them. And we got other Christians that have really big hands that are busy all the time, but they can be mean in their ministry, Okay, we want to be kind and gentle and tender. And we got people that are busy doing things, but they don't know who they're doing them for or why they are doing them. Listen, if I had a big head and the rest of my body was tiny, we would call that a deformity. Okay, if I had really big hands, you'd say, you got really big hands. No, we are to have all of this in proportion. So here's what it says. Second thing. If so, and you have, continue to be established in the gospel of truth about his lordship. And so we'll end with this. And so I gave you, here, here, here you say, how, do, how am I established in the faith? So I just give you this. Discover sound doctrine in the Bible. Let me remind you again. Listen, the, the first step away from God, is unthankfulness. And the first step back to being thankful is getting into this book. I can't open this book. And even when it convicts me of sin, which it does, I'm always thankful. Because I'm like, a closed book is an unchanged heart. An open book is the potential for a changed heart. Develop strong convictions from the Bible. Don't just read it. Draw from it. You say, but that's what you're here for. Well, yes, but I'm to train you. You are to do it as well. Many of you have sat under my teaching, and I am diligent to try to tell you how I study it, where I get it, and how you can do it too. Okay? And then discern false teaching with the Bible. I am convinced the great, uh, the challenge is getting greater and greater to discern error even among so-called christian teaching okay and there's been there's more teaching than ever before you gotta get your bible open because i'm telling you they may be teachers in a christian college they may have degrees behind their names but and you know what's sad now christians are mocking people who simply refute error on the basis of a bible without being an expert in their field no 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 you do what this lesson does you'll not only be thankful you'll be discerning you'll be discerning now if you just got an odd idea that no one else in church history has ever heard of then yeah okay but get in your bible discern so here's the ingredients you want to be more thankful in 2023 in, embrace surrendered living, experience spiritual growth, and get involved and establish spiritual convictions. And you're going to be a more thankful person. We're not giving up on this topic of thankfulness. We've got one more lesson in it. We're going to look next week at, at why we should say grace or give thanks at every meal. Okay, we'll look at that and see Jesus' example. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for making us more thankful. And we thank you that it's all rooted in your lordship. Lord, I pray for each person here. And I pray, Lord, that we will enter 2023 more thankful, more grounded, being built up and realizing that we're drawing that all from the roots that are deep in who you are and what you have done for us lord bring healing where there is hurt bring strength where there is weakness bring conviction where there is doubt and may we say thank you in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit and all god's people said amen amen good stuff